0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Uh, Today, we're continuing with episode five of the second season of the Tom Petty Project podcast. As always, I am your host, Kevin Brown. I hope that if you celebrate Christmas or just enjoy having time with your families over the Christmas period, uh, that you're all finished your shopping and that you're all able to safely visit, at least in some capacity, with your loved ones. Being in lockdown last year was really tough. Christmas is all about family for me. I grew up with lots of aunts and uncles and cousins, and this time of year was when we'd all get together. You know, around at Grandma's house, Grandma and Grandpa's house, which was big, lots of food, lots of noise, lots of presents. It was a lot of fun. Um, But just remember to be safe and enjoy the holidays as best you can. Um, And hopefully this is the last disrupted Christmas that we have to work through. Uh, So today we're talking about Too Much Ain't Enough, the fifth track on the second album and the last song on side one. Go check out the link in the episode notes to listen to the song, then come back, pull up a chair, and we'll chat all about it. Great to see you back. Let's get into it. Paul Zolo's book has been an invaluable source of information for this podcast. And talking about this song in the book, Tom says, I wrote it after seeing Fleetwood Mac, and they played that song, Oh Well, that has this great bluesy lick. I was trying to find a riff like that, or like what Muddy Waters would have. And he goes on to say, So I came up with this blues lick, and then I made my own kind of phrasing, my own kind of chord pattern. And the heartbreakers were really kind of thrilled of it when I brought it in. They were like, All oh, right, we've been wanting to do something like this. As soon as the song opens, I get those anticipation goosebumps. I love that fret scratch. sort of. It's sort of like a grandfather clock effect. Now, I assume it's actually not a grandfather clock. It's probably Mike doing something on his, on his frets. Um, Tom's guitar tone when he comes in on the left channel is so beefy and nasty with a killer natural distortion. I doubt that it's a pedal. It just feels like a really good tone coming out of the amp. Uh, when Mike comes in after two bars, he's rocking a, like a serpentine-phased slide guitar. So, you know, so swampy and so cool. After another four bars, we get Stan coming in with one of the best, if not the best, drum beats on the first two records. And as much as I disliked the way the drums were mixed on last week's track, Magnolia, I love, love, love how sharp and tasty that snare crack sounds on this one. And those little grace notes on the snare that he's adding into this one give it such a fantastic kind of freight train country blues type of swing. And that feel of a train rolling on the tracks is driven home for me by Mike's sweet slides up into It's almost like a train whistle. You know, it almost feels like Mike's playing a very gentle wah-wah on this as well, but I, I don't think it is. I think it's just my brain adding that in rather than it being there. And though this is, a, you know, such a densely processed and cool tone, his tone, when they played it live, was much more direct and aggressive, at least in the early days. But it's, you know, it's deliberately tripped out on this track so that it doesn't jar with Tom's killer uh, rhythm parts. If you listen to that guitar part that Tom's playing throughout the track, it's super simple. The main lick is a simple little run over that B power chord and into the verse. He's just playing those chords on the ones and threes. And one thing that always strikes me about watching Tom play live is that he isn't a windmiller. You know, he's he's, he's he's not a big, aggressive, sort of handsy type of player. He's usually pretty economical with his strumming technique, but he shows that it's all about tone and control. He still gets that big, fat sound that a lot of guys would hammer the strings to get, but he just doesn't need to. Benmont's part on this song is really interesting too because if you're not listening closely, you could definitely miss it entirely. So if you listen in the right channel, if you listen to that rhythm guitar part, you can hear the organ it's mixed really low and it's basically playing the same part an octave higher. Then in the chorus, that switches to sort of mirroring Mike's lead line. But again, it's mixed so low that I really have to pay attention, which is hard to do because this song rocks and swings so damn hard. You want to listen to the whole thing rather than sort of listen to those individual parts, which doesn't help for doing a podcast like this. Uh, Once we've been through those two verse chorus loops, and really the chorus is just that repeated line, it ain't enough. Though you could also say that that's still a part of the verse, and the section that leads into the guitar solo, which acts as the bridge, is actually the chorus. Or you could say that this song just doesn't have a chorus, and the too much ain't enough, it ain't enough, is a solid enough refrain that it doesn't really need a full, you know, Worked out chorus, and I go back and forth on how how to describe that, but I think it, I might be leaning closer to that last option. Um, future Wilbury's bandmate Roy Orbison was well known for messing around with song structures, so this could just be an example of that type of songcraft, where we have um, you know two verses, a bridge, and then another another verse with no real sort of big reveal in the chorus, which I can't like quite like. I think it gives it a gives the song a more um, organic feel. So we haven't talked about Ron Blair yet in this song, so let's talk about Ron Blair. If you're able to, sit there and listen to the song and try to filter out everything else and just listen to what Ron is doing on the bass. He comes in a couple of bars after the drums with a really jumpy, busy bass line through the verses. that's mixed dead centre with that kick drum so you can really hear it. And it's a really furious hopping bass line that builds up to an octave higher between the verses before dropping back down into that lower register. Then heading into the bridge, he hangs off completely for almost two full bars before walking up to the key change in that middle eight. And he throws in some really familiar rock and roll four note patterns in that middle section and sits sort of an octave or two above his floor before dropping back to that low register for the solo, which lets Mike's guitar really sing in that treble space. For the vocals in this song, Tom's not really belting. He's not really drawling. He's in that middle range where he's really just delivering a very, very strong, very, very direct vocal. And it's not until the bridge uh, that we get the first vocal harmonies in the song and some reverb-heavy sort of call-response-type group vocals. Out of that bridge, we come to Mike Campbell's solo. And Tom tells Paul Zolo, Campbell just burned that solo. I have a memory of Mike playing the solo and all of us going, wow, that's great. So this is Mike channeling his inner Chuck Berry, clearly, especially in the second half of the solo. And he's not doing it particularly subtly, but it fits so well and keeps the energy up so you can't really complain about it being derivative because, as always with Mike Campbell, it's exactly what this song needs. And, as Lemmy from Motorhead once said, we're all just ripping off Chuck Berry. Terrible impression, sorry. Sorry. Um, we get one more verse when Stan ups the ante and throws in a few more bigger hits and Benmont adds in a little more colour on the organ and then the song fades out around that main lick and we're done in slightly less than three minutes of pure rock and roll energy. Okay, it's time once again, my friends, for some Petty Trivia. I hope you're keeping score of how well you're doing so far. We're halfway through season two with this episode, so we should have about, I don't know, what is that, 15 or 16 questions that we've had so far? Uh, Last week I asked you which 1996 album, uh, which featured the entire Heartbreakers lineup at the time, contained songs written by Tom Petty, Beck, Chris Cornell, and Johnny Cash. The answer, as a few of you correctly identified, is Johnny Cash's album Unchained. The second album in his American series chronology, The Man in Black covered the heartbreakers' sublime ballad, Southern Accents. Beck's Rowboat, Sound Gardens, Rusty Cage, obviously penned by Chris Cornell, uh, and also featured three original Cash compositions. I'll be completely honest and say that I've never quite found the hook on the American series chronology. I prefer Cash doing his own songs usually, or certainly those sort of those older songs. Um, though I do love Johnny Cash, and maybe I just need to go back and revisit them. Your question for this week is a seasonal one. Tom Petty's 1992 Christmas song "Christmas All Over Again" was recorded for the charity album "A Very Special Christmas." But can you tell me which charity the album was raising money for? <laughs> Okay, let's get back to the song. Uh, the lyrics to this one see Tom again in very combative mood. Uh, he could definitely pull off that angry young man swagger on these early records and this one is a prime example of him fighting back against someone who he feels isn't treating him, you know, isn't treating him the right way. You know, you can't be satisfied too much ain't enough. Uh, my favorite line in the song though is you're standing by the telephone waiting for the word and ever since that bathroom scene there's been a slight concern. Beautifully understated and sets a scene without really fleshing it out. You know, that way he had of doing just enough to paint the picture, then letting your imagination add motion and color is one of my favorite facets of his songwriting. And that line is one of those that really is a very good example of that. And the title is such a cool play on words and came from something that he saw written on a building in New York. In conversations with Tom Petty, Tom says, I'm the kind of person who sits in restaurants and listens to everyone talking. I'll write things down or get out of bed at night and write things down. Sometimes during that little time, right before you fall asleep, your mind gets into a certain place and you get a lot of ideas. Well, I can totally relate to that. I've woken up plenty of times with an idea for a riff or a lyric or in my day job with a, with a solution to a coding problem, you know, which is very annoying at three o'clock in the morning. And it's easier these days, though, as we can just hum or speak into the voice memo on our, on our phones. And I have hours of ramblings and humming on my phone right now. So, Tom says that he got that title idea from his notebook, and it's such a great idea to build a song out from, I think. The song's included on the playback box set, Anthology Through the Years, and there's also a live version from the 1978 New Year's Eve concert uh, at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium on the live anthology. So, it's really well represented in the box sets. There's also a live staple in the late 70s, and was resurrected in 2001-2002, when it was almost ever-present. Clearly, this is a song that the band really enjoyed playing live, and if you listen to that 1978 version, you can see that. You can just see that, you can hear it, um, and they, they fill out the middle section, and you can tell they're just having real fun jamming around that lick. A lot of people say the band's last album, Hypnotic Eye, is a return to Heartbreaker's early sound, and while I think it's far more sophisticated than that, there are definitely some songs that you could hear on both the last album or on this one. Too Much Ain't Enough is one of those that would fit perfectly, I think, on that last record. And just think how the arrangement might have been changed with a you know third guitar or maybe some screaming Scott Thurston harmonica. It also has a close cousin on the Mojo album, where that railroad snare pattern is used again on the fantastic Jefferson Jericho blues. Okay, thanks as always for listening, folks. Um, this is one of my favourite tracks on the album, and really it's a killer song to see them play. So I'll add a link to the live version from 1980 in the episode notes, um, so that you can listen to that. I'll also add a link to um, Fleetwood Max Oh Well, which, as we, we mentioned earlier on, Tom sort of had in mind when he wrote the, the that bluesy main riff to the song. Um, I'm going to give Too Much Ain't Enough a really strong 8 out of 10, as for me, it's a, a, a perfect way to close side one of a record, and B, it just swings, man. It's so cool. You have to tap your foot, and you have to move your body to this song. If you don't, you have to be dead from the brain down. told you last week that I was recording a special episode with the wonderfully talented Jake Thistle. Well, Jake and I had a fantastic time chatting, and he play, actually played a couple of killer Tom Petty covers also. Once we'd signed off, all hell broke loose, and we had independent, unrelated technology problems, which meant that we actually lost the whole damn recording. Thankfully, Jake was very gracious in agreeing to jump on a call again with me early in the new year, and he also had the fabulous idea of streaming our chat live, which we're going to do. So I'll get details out to you as soon as we lock in the date, and you'll be able to join us live on the internet to talk about Tom, Jake, and lots more in between. Uh, Don't forget to look out also for a special episode this Saturday, where I'll be talking about somewhere you feel free, the making of wildflowers. I think that'll be a little more conversational and a little less in-depth analysis, but I wanted to re-watch the show, and I figured I may as well record my thoughts about it and put that out as a Christmas special for you. Um, As always, don't forget to follow me on Facebook uh, and Instagram at the Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. You know, please leave a rating if you haven't already. Um, That would be great. And and leave me some feedback. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you'd like to hear, what you'd don't like hearing, you know, just just talk to me, people. Let me know how things are going. Um and again, I always try to answer all all the comments and questions that you uh, you send me on social media and I'm loving that interaction. Um that's one of the main reasons that I've I've really, really started to enjoy doing this podcast. I mean I enjoyed it anyway, talking about Tom Petty, but uh, meeting a lot of people and making new friends through the Tom Petty community. Um it just enriches your life, right? When you find like minded people. So until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the first track from side two of the album, I Need to Know. Bye bye. <music>